We are going to be in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. We're going to start in verse 17. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. We uh, finished the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Um, we've been studying that for uh, several weeks. And th- there were 13 sermons on that. And we had some Easter sermons and the cantata and some stuff in there also. Um, but 13 of the last 16 or 17 weeks were in um, Philippians. And so this morning, we are going to be observing the Lord's Supper together. And before we do that, I want us to look at this passage um, that has so much information about the Lord's Supper in it. And so, again, we will be starting at 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, And this is what Paul says. We're starting right in the middle of a chapter, right toward, actually near the end of a letter. And he says... But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Okay, that's a weird spot to just jump right in. Okay, so he's going to, we're going to read where he's getting on to this church, where they're, they're not doing something like they should be. And we'll see what that is in just a moment. But um, this is one of the reasons why I really enjoy us going verse by verse through a book or through the Bible is because we, we get all the richness of the context. And, and so I do want us to look at the context in this message as we are jumping right in. Uh, and I want to let you know just a few things that are going on here. First, this letter that Paul is writing, a, a large majority of it is actually a response to a letter that they wrote him. They wrote him asking him some questions to clarify some things. And so he wrote back. Now, in this matter that he's going to be talking about, this was not one of the things that they asked him about. This is something that he heard on a separate occasion about how they were doing something in the church And he is going to let them know that this is not okay. That there is a better way of doing this. And that actually that what they are doing is sinful. And so um, we will see this in just a moment how that comes. But even if we just go back to the beginning of this chapter, chapter 11, uh, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is familiar because we in Philippians we saw where Paul encouraged um, the, the church at Philippi to be like him as he imitated Christ. And now we see that again here. And then in verse 2, and we're, just, we're not going to stay here. We're just going right back to verse 17. But he says, now I commend you. So just know this letter is not only him getting on to them. There's a lot of encouragement and love. And, but there is some, he does commend them at the beginning of the chapter. But here we are seeing, and one more time, where there are other times like this in this letter, where Paul is getting on to them. And so... Um, Specifically, he is getting on to them about how they are handling the the taking of the Lord's Supper. And let's go ahead and continue to read in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Again, in Philippians, we saw a lot about um, divisions in the church. And here we're going to see another uh, church that has some division in it. Verse 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that, you are there, that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Okay, so what's going on here is this. Um, there are divisions in the church. And Paul is saying that those divisions are not good. The good kind of divisions would, would, would just be that there are people who are truly living for the Lord. And as they live for the Lord, you can see that they stand out. Okay, How many of you have ever known someone 
who didn't just say they loved the Lord. They didn't just go to church. They didn't just go through the motions of doing the right things. But you could tell they genuinely loved Jesus. Hopefully we all know someone like that. And those people just kind of seem to just rise a little bit above the rest of us, right? You can just look at them and know that person loves Jesus. They are faithful to him. They are all about him. They love others. They, they put themselves um, they, they, behind serving the people around them. And, and they're always putting others first. And there are some people who just rise above. And so when he says that, I believe that some division may be true. He's talking about a good type of division, but there's also some negative, bad type of division that we're seeing here. So in verse 20, he's going to give them some, some instructions on the Lord's Supper. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Now, this is a strange thing for him to say, but you'll understand as we read. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And so what's going on in this situation is, is that they're coming together, and some churches do more than just um, the bread and wine or the juice. Some churches will eat a whole meal together and observe the Lord's Supper in that way, but there's a time for the breaking of the bread. For, there's a time to observe the, the body of Christ that was broken. There's a time to observe his blood that was shed for us, as, as we'll see in just a moment. But these people were coming together, and they weren't making it about worship. They weren't making it about Jesus. The main point of the Lord's Supper is to do it in remembrance of him, is to remember what he has done, what he did, and, and how that should affect our lives, and that he will one day return, that's the purpose of the Lord's Supper, to remember Jesus, to remember what he did on the cross. And, and they weren't doing that. They were coming together, and they were just having a almost like a potluck, except it wasn't potluck because you got to eat what you brought, and you, the, the people who were wealthy were eating well and getting full, and the people who were poor weren't even really having anything. And we see this here. Look, I'm going to go back to verse 20. And as I read, I'm, I'm just going to read verses 20 through 23, or sorry, 22. And you can see as I'm reading this, what I just said. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And so we see that they are taking the Lord's Supper in the wrong way. And so the first thing that I want us to recognize this morning, before we start talking about the right way, is I want to make sure that we understand that there is a wrong way to observe the Lord's Supper. And I want to make sure that we as a church is avoiding the wrong way to observe it, but I also want to make sure that we as individuals are avoiding the wrong way to observe the Lord's Supper. Um, first, let me say that uh, at our church, we have open communion, which means that anyone who is a professing, believing, faithful Christian, we invite you to take the Lord's Supper with us. So you don't even have to necessarily be a, a member of our church to take the Lord's Supper, just as long as, as you 
are in right fellowship with God, that you love him, you are following him, and you have a relationship with him. Okay? And, and so there's that. This, also, in this case, what they're doing is they're making it all about themselves. Well, the Lord's Supper is not about us getting full, and it's not about um, our satisfaction. It's about remembering Jesus. It's about remembering what he did for us. And so we need to have a right mindset, not just a right heart that we have been saved, that we are believers, but we need to have the right mindset when we come and approach the Lord's table. We need to make sure that we are doing this for the right reason. We're not doing it because of what people around us may think. We're not doing it because... Well, I don't know why you would eat this bread if you were hungry because it's not the greatest tasting bread in, in the world. But we're not doing it to, to, to fill our tummies and we're not doing it to taste a little grape juice, okay? Um, I have a friend who uh, moved to New York and he said that he realized he wasn't in the South anymore when they went to take communion and it was real wine. And so some of you might be used to, to wine and communion, and we have chosen to use juice in, in communion for lots of reasons. But here, they were using real wine, and they were getting drunk, which is a sin, by the way. And Paul is saying, what are you doing? You're making this all about your appetite, appetite for hunger, appetite for drink, and you're turning it into something that it's not supposed to be. And so... He is not going to, to commend them for what they're doing. You know what else they're doing? They're not just making it about themselves. But when we do that, when we're selfish, it affects the people around us. Other people suffer. And in this case, they're taking, all, they're eating all the, their food, the, the wealthy are, eating all their food, and they're, and they're even getting drunk, some of them. And who is suffering? Other church members, the poorer church members, are suffering right in their midst. And this goes, this is anti-Christ. This, is, this goes against who Jesus was. Jesus was about putting others before himself. If you remember Philippians chapter 2, that though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. He was God, and yet he took the form of a servant so that he could serve us, even to death. And here are these people who are remembering that man, that God, Jesus. And how are they remembering him? Well, they're not at all. They're making it about themselves. They're turning it into a party where, where they can indulge rather than a, a somber memorial where they can remember what Jesus has done for them. But you know, in remembering, there's also this anticipation of waiting that we're going to see in a moment, that Jesus will return. He has promised us that he will return. And so while we're remembering what he has done, we're also remembering the promise that one day he will return and he will make things right. But in the meantime, we're here. And what are we going to do with our lives? And how are we going to live our lives? And hopefully... Every day we're living, we're, we are living our lives in memory of Jesus, in honor of Jesus, 
And, and I say in memory, in memory of the life that he lived here on earth. He's not dead. We serve a God who's alive. And so we're not just remembering what he did, but we're remembering that he still exists and that he has promised that he will come back once again and that one day there will be no more pain and no more suffering, but we're not there yet. We're still in the in-between. He, he's already ascended. He's already, his death and resurrection and ascension has already occurred. And so we're past that, but we haven't experienced the second coming that he has promised where he will come back and rescue us all and, and, and um, give us a new life, new bodies, new uh, perfection to live in and to be in his presence. We're, we haven't experienced that yet. So we're in the middle. And we want to make sure that we are living our lives in a way that honors him. In a way that when he does return, not only are we ready, but the people around us are ready. Because First Peter, in First Peter it says that he is not being, he's not waiting to return. He's not waiting just to go back on his promise or, or just to make us wait in this suffering. First Peter tells us that he is being patient for our sake that we may turn to him. So there are people around you who do not know Jesus. And the Lord's Supper, as we take it, should remind us, yes, of who Jesus was. But it should also remind us of why he died on the cross. To glorify the Father, but also to save the lost. So that we could have a relationship with him. So that we could be saved. And so in taking the Lord's Supper, we have to realize that even though we take it individually, we also take it as a church. And even the Lord's Supper should be taken in unity. And, and I'm not reading things into this. This is the very thing he's getting on to them for. He will not commend them because of their selfishness and their lack of remembering and their lack of doing this together. And so he is appalled that some are suffering, that some are being humiliated because there's not unity in the church. And he will not commend them for their disobedience. Verse 23. And we are going to read these following verses. And I, I want you to, to know that in a, after the sermon, we will go back and we will t- participate and take the Lord's Supper together. But right now, for the next eight minutes, we are going to be looking at what the Scripture says and we are going to be even moving past the Lord's Supper because Paul has more information for the church and therefore um, for us also. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. His very body was a sacrifice for them, for us. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we take the bread and we take the wine, this is symbolic of the sacrifice that Jesus offered. Now, I say symbolic. For us as Baptists, we, we view it as symbolism. That it does, it's not the literal um, body or, or blood of Jesus. Some denominations do view this as the literal, like this becomes the, the actual body and blood of Jesus. But we view it as sim- symbolism. It's symbolic of what he did, and it's to remind us of what he did so that we can worship him in this sense. 
But I will say that when he says to do this in remembrance of him, I, I do not think that it's literally becoming those things, but I do believe that he spiritually is in there. That this is an act of, of worship. That there is something spiritual about the Lord's Supper. That when we take it, when we remember him, that Jesus is here. And he is in the midst of this, in our presence, in our worship service. And that we should do this with respect and honor. As if he is at the head of the table. And that we are doing this in remembrance of him. Verse 25. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I wish I had time to go into that new covenant, but we need to keep moving. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, so again, it's not just about remembering, but we're proclaiming all the way up to his second coming. We're, we're, we know that he will return. Verse 27. Whoever, therefore, eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So what I want us to remember is this. There is an appropriate way to take the Lord's Supper. If we're doing it in an unworthy manner, And none of us are worthy of what Jesus did for us. That's not what this is saying. You have to be worthy in order for you to recognize Christ's blood and sacrifice. What it's saying is is that we need to do it in a respectful, reverent way. And what this means is if you have any sin in your life, any unconfessed sin in your life right now, you need to deal with that. You need to go to Jesus and, and ask for forgiveness. And you need to repent of that sin. And if you're in a place right now where you're not sure if you're willing to turn from that sin, then you don't need to participate in a few minutes when we take the Lord's Supper together. No one's going to judge you. No one knows what you're going through. No one knows why you will choose to participate or not participate. But if there is something in your life that you have been dishonoring Jesus with those actions and you don't feel comfortable going to him and saying, I know I'm not perfect, but I believe I have repented of every sin I'm aware of, then you need to wait to take the Lord's Supper. Because we don't need to do it in an unworthy manner. Because whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, verse 28. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We're about to have a moment where you will have an opportunity without the preacher speaking, without anything going on around you. You will have a moment to be able to go to the Lord and just to ask him to examine your heart. You will have a moment to use your brains to try to think of times in your life where you have dishonored God with your actions, whether that's been recently or in the past. And if you have been, if you've gone to Jesus and you've asked him to forgive your sins, if you've repented of those things, if you've turned away from those sins and started living for him again, if you've already done that, then that's in the past. That's taken care of. He has wiped that as far as the east is from the west. That's gone. But if, if you have current things going on in your life of which you have not repented, then 
you need to be careful when we take the Lord's Supper. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, concerning the body, there's two different beliefs about this. Some people say that this is the body of Christ, since we're talking about the body, and and that's what the Lord's Supper is to remember, is his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. Um, But other people think that because it doesn't specifically mention the blood, then the body is the church. Either way, we're not giving, if, if it's the body is the church, we're not being the church that we should be if we take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And if it's talking about the body of Christ, then we are disrespecting his body. We are not remembering what he did and his acts and who he was and that he was a servant and that he put others before himself or whatever the sins that you're struggling with for them it's obvious they were getting drunk they they were having this feast and it wasn't about the lord at all but what is going on in your heart today i just want to make sure that we're all coming to jesus in humility and that we are remembering what he has done and that we are living for One of the reasons that the Lord's Supper can be so powerful is because day to day we wake up in the morning and we have forgotten what Christ has done for us. It's not fresh for us. We've been saved for, you know, some of us 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. And it's hard to keep that passion up sometimes for the Lord. It's hard to remember what he has done for us sometimes for the Lord. And so here we come together, we take the Lord's Supper, and it's a reminder to remember him. It's a reminder to examine ourselves. It's a reminder to make sure that we are in right fellowship with him. Because look, I, I believe that if you are saved, then you are saved. If. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then I believe you're saved and I don't believe that's going to change. But just because you're saved doesn't mean that you automatically stop sinning. We as saved, forgiven believers can have sin in our life that messes up our fellowship with God. And when we're not right with him, when we're not right with others, we need to remedy that. 1 John 1, nine tells us that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of every wrong. He can forgive us of anything, but we have to get right with him. And if you're, if you're in here this morning and you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you haven't become a follower of Jesus, you haven't put your faith in him, then, then that can change today. You can put your faith in him this morning. You can give him your life this morning. He can become your Lord. But if he's not your Lord, then I just invite you in a, in a few moments just to, to watch this, to watch us participate in the Lord's Supper, to take the Lord's Supper. To see why we're doing this. And, and hopefully you're hearing that right now. And so. We need to make sure we're examining ourselves. Verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. Eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill. And some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly. We would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord. We are disciplined. So that we may not be condemned along with the world. So let me just break this down in one minute. Here's what it's saying. Is that when we willingly sin as Christians, then 
God loves us and he doesn't want us to continue to sin because he knows that our sin will only bring pain. It will only bring heartache to ourselves and to the people around us that we affect so many people with our sins. And God loves us too much to continue to allow us to live in that sin. And so he allows discipline in our lives. And so sometimes that results in sickness or other things. Now, what this is not saying is that if you're sick, then there must be some sin in your life that caused that. Okay, we know we live in a fallen world where sometimes sickness is just a part of being human. But what this is saying is that there are times when God will, will allow us or cause us to get sick in order to discipline us and remind us that he is holy and we need to be living for him and we need to be doing things right. We need to be treating others the right way, which the um, Corinthians were not doing. And so um, Hebrews 12 tells us that God's discipline is a good thing, okay? He, he, he compares it to the discipline of a father, okay? I love my kids. If, if they're doing something that's going to hurt them in life, if they're doing something that's disobedient or disrespectful, of course I'm going to discipline them. Of course I'm going to talk to them about it and take further steps if necessary in order to discipline them. And do they like it? Look, I tell Emma no, and immediately she goes, ah, and starts shaking, and, you know, it's just terrible. Real tears just start flowing. I don't know how she does it. And then we say, it's okay, we love you, just say you're sorry. I'm sorry. And then the tears just shut off. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. Of course I'm going to discipline my kids, and of course there will be some pain involved, but it's going to be best for them in the long term. Because I love them and I want to see them become productive, Jesus-fearing, Jesus-loving adults who change the world. And if they're going to become that, I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to help usher that into a reality. And if I love my kids that much, how much more does God love us? Of course he's going to discipline us when there is sin in our lives. And so during this time, I'm, I'm, we're going to stop the sermon right there. And I'm just going to tell you that during this time, we are going to examine ourselves. And this is being recorded because we have shut-ins and just other people who uh, listen to this on, online. And I, I want to say before you stop the recording, Carol, that if there is someone who cannot come participate in the Lord's Supper at church for physical reasons, for health reasons, that... I and the, the deacons, some of us in our church will come and take the Lord's Supper with you at your home, in the hospital, wherever we need to go.